Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. No. What's that now? I'm so tired of trying to be this perfect mom. I'm done. Okay, it's Bad Moms. You know, first of all, it wasn't my idea, which is shocking because everybody <laughs> thinks Bad Moms would have been my idea. But it was your idea, and I have one thing you to say. You can call me a bad chooser. Okay, you can do it. Bad Moms is a bad movie. Hashtag <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Okay, I'm going to start this off because you're the one who made me go to it, but and I'm going to start also, it off. between the two of us, you're the one who actually is a mom. I defer to you, Hollister. Okay, it's a bad movie. Okay. When I first heard who wrote it, you know, when you told me who wrote it and like, you know, you know, obviously the writers and directors, John Lucas and Scott Moore, who, who wrote brought us The Hangover. I know. So, you know, so everyone, but the minute you told me that, I thought, well, why would all these men who certainly know how men think internally, why would they be brought in to write a movie about how moms feel, you know, what the stress level is, et cetera. And, and, and by the way, Hangover was written uh, by men and they nailed it. I mean, those guys nailed it. But Bad Moms is written by two men and it does not. And it is missing the syntax of moms and the way we speak to each other and the nuances that, I mean, there there's... They, what they did was they wrote it as observers. Who were they observing? <laughs> well, the internal dialogue that goes on, that was just scratching the surface. It could have been 10 times funnier yes. and 10 times more poignant. And so I don't think they were the right... They sh- How arrogant to not even bring a writer, you know, consultant in who happens to be the right gender? You know, Hollister... I, yes and no, because as I've said before, I actually enjoyed The Hangover, the first installment. I saw it on The Hangover plane. didn't have anything to do with I women. I thought it was very funny. Yes, but then after The Hangover, the studios thought, let's do one for women. As if women can't enjoy the same movies as men, and that brought us Bridesmaids, which I know did unbelievably well at the box office. But they didn't write Bridesmaids. No, but my point is Bridesmaids was written by women, and I couldn't watch it. I I, I had to fast forward through it. I thought this is just women backstabbing each other. So when I heard that Bad Moms was written by the guys who did The Hangover, I thought maybe this will actually be a movie that says something about friendship. However, I did not know that John Lucas and Scott Moore were also the team that brought us Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. I didn't see that. Did you see it? I did. Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Garner did not like it at all. They also brought us Wedding Crashers. I'm telling you, it's an arrogant thing to write about women's experiences and not even ask women. I mean, it's just to get, it's arrogant. I don't think, though, that men can't write for women. I just I, I, me think too, this but was I don't a bad think, movie. But I, don't, I do, too. But I don't think you can write this movie without talking to women and having a woman writer on the set. I just don't think you can. I really don't think it's a gender divide. I just think this is the Hollywood, let's make it crass but not funny. Let's not really put the work oh, into I it. Oh, I thought because... it was totally a gender divide. Okay, the guy who's cast is the widow. Yes. I liked that love interest. I thought he was compelling. Okay, <laughs> that's because you're not married with children. But here's the thing. It should have been, it should <laughs> have been, I'm telling you, it should have been Greg Kinnear or somebody because... God, he women, would have been a little old for Mila Kunis. Uh, no, she was supposed to be older than she is, by the way. Those women were in their 30s. Right, and Greg Kinnear is. 
He can play. He can play a forty-something guy. I a, believe you called him middle-aged in the review that's going to follow this one that we recorded at the Provincetown Film Festival. Well, that's because that's what he was playing in that particular role. But but he can play a younger guy. He can play a lot of things. But okay, forget him specifically. Then you need somebody who has, you know, who doesn't look like he just came out of the exercise parlor. You know because. Because that's not what's attractive in a guy at school. Trust me. The men that were attractive at school were the ones who were a little bit sensitive. And they have to be good looking, but not that kind of good looking. Not where you're embarrassed to have your body standing next to his. You know, I am not going to object to the good looking guy because he was sensitive. And he's the one that actually recognized that yeah, she was and a I good didn't buy, mom. I, I didn't buy it. I thought he was totally miscast. And I couldn't. I couldn't I couldn't see that happening. So I think that I think that was miscast and I thought that the dialogue between them was fine on his end but not on her end, you know. I thought her husband was so over the top bad. In uh, terms yeah. of, you know, also, okay, she, you know, this husband's she was a train so, wreck. You know, her 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 makeup was so major in every single scene that she would never be with somebody who looked like a schlump that way. She just wouldn't. Well, this is the thing. When I saw the trailer, and I know that in your last written review this week on ScreenThoughts.net, you said, please let this stop being my mantra, that I liked the trailer and not the movie. I know, right? I saw the trailer, and I thought Mila Kunis was very compelling in the trailer and in the movie. I had never seen her in anything before. I never saw yes, Black did. Swan. Oh, you didn't see Black Swan? No, I was yeah. too scared to see yeah. it, and I never saw that 70s show because, as you know, I'm scared of that entire decade. So I thought, okay, I want to go see Mila Kunis in something, and I thought she was very good on screen, but the material just did not she rise was too to made what up. she's capable she, you know, of. I didn't first of think I, so. Oh, she was wearing very thick mascara through the entire thing. I don't know. I think she just has, you know, God-given eyes. I think she has oh my a God. Well, superpower she's, in her well, eyes. Well, by the way, I found her mesmerizing on screen. Like, you yes. want to look at her, but yes. I didn't find her compelling. And so, you know, I didn't find her speech at the end to the other moms about why they should vote for her for president of the PTA. She didn't, she didn't nail it, you know. And I think, she again, miscast. It should have been Jennifer Aniston. I don't agree. I think Mila Kunis was great casting, but the script did not do her or anyone really in the movie. The script was the big fail. You said everything I've ever felt about being a mom, but couldn't say. There's so many rules now. Don't punish your kids. Don't say no to your kids. The thing that drew me into this movie was the whole conceit of the movie, this pushback against everything now required, not just of mothers, but of parents in general. As Nora Ephron said, once parenting became a verb, just far too much has been expected of parents. That's a great Um, line. I didn't know, did she say that? That's a great line. She did, but this script was just objectionable on so many levels. Uh, Well, it was. Now, did you you know MJ Anthony, who plays Mila's... um, Son, and, and yeah. did you know immediately where you'd seen him before? No. Okay, can you tell me where you've seen him before? No. Oh my God, am I stumping you? It's yeah. complicated. Pedro. Oh, he's the one Pedro. in the elevator. Yes. I, oh, not just my. in the elevator. I mean the brat. I mean he, and it was like, oh my God, Pedro's growing up. I love Pedro. You know, so it was Pedro. Nice. He's all. He was also on Grey's Anatomy. So I thought you should have recognized him somewhere. That's, now, who that's, did he play on Grey's Anatomy? He was. Um, he was in. I think he was the one who ran away. He ran away and hid. 
in the in the hospital. Okay, I don't remember that episode, but the actor I was so glad to see on screen was Wendell Pierce, who played the principal. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad he's no longer playing Clarence Thomas yeah. on Confirmation. It was yeah. a good follow-up role. Wait, I'm not done with MJ. Oh, by all means, please okay. continue. And he was also the boy in the chef, in Chef. Oh, he's had quite a career already. Well, not only that, you know what it shows is those are very different roles. Pedro, spoiled brat, really, really, you know, angry kid in an elevator at the age of like five or six. Okay, then he goes into chef and then he becomes her, you know, her son. I don't know. I think that kid's got to, I think we're going to see him a lot, you know. And we already have. Yeah. Um, I thought Wanda Sykes, she also had a very small part, but I thought that was a good turn for her as the right. marriage therapist. Um, what did you think about the other characters? Catherine Hahn, to me, play, you know, played the most compelling role, but it was done again. They wrote, you know, they wrote the slut like from a male point of view rather than bringing in the nuances of the, you know, there's always a slutty woman at school. Well, I'm not sure we need that stereotype again. I did like the oh, fact that they were I like trying. Yeah. She had the best lines, but that is a little disturbing that you know, that that stereotype is the best they can write for. Do you remember when we saw Gina Davis a couple years ago perform yes. scenes live with some of her friends at Such the Benton a good, Film Festival? Yes, perfect for and you to they, bring it up. they reimagined famous scenes where they were done with male actors and they had female actors recreating these parts. With I the kept, same lines. In other words, they made the, the dialogue exactly lines. the same. Yeah. Just to prove that men don't have to write for women, which apparently seems to be such an obstacle for some screenwriters that they just don't create female characters. I would have loved to have seen this cast from Bad Moms recreate The Hangover. Hmm. Because I think the actors are talented, but I think the script was just not worthy of their talents. Um, oh, I, I agree. and I, I, But I think it could have been if they just brought a woman in to help them. You know, it's sort of like one of the reasons when Harry Met Sally is one of the great movies of all time is because mm-hmm. all during the writing of it, they dialogued back and forth about, oh, this is what I would have said. Oh, well, this is what I would have said. In other words, they got the genders right. I mean, you had, wasn't it Rob Reiner? Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron. And we did a podcast about it and yep. mentioned this very phenomenon. It was on very equal footing. That's how you get this dialogue. kind of comedic thing perfect. You get it by saying, that's not what she'd say, you stupid idiot. This is what she'd say. Mm-hmm. That's how you get it. And when and when the two people going back and forth are so good then you really, really get it. Now, one of the few people who I think writes really brilliant dialogue on both sides of the gender is the great... Aaron Sorkin. Of course. How'd you uh, you know, oh. you're so smart. How did you <laughs> when figure in that? When in doubt, just fill Aaron Sorkin in exactly, the blank. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but if you look at his character, C.J. Craig and... Um, Ainsley, I loved Ainsley. A- exactly, you know... You know, but I'm sure he is not an arrogant guy in certain ways. And I'm sure he talked dialogue. I mean, he a lot of times he admits that he actually took real conversations with women and brought them to it. But he has a respect for women on the other side to recognize that's not just his dialogue. And um, anyway, I think I think that they just if they had just taken that extra step, it would have been ever so much better. And, you know, who would have been great to bring in as a writer. Oh, are you going to say Amy? I am. However, having not had children, but here's the thing about Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer watched her parents a lot. And I think she has, I've seen her do some humor around parenting. 
And she also is very, very close to her niece and spends a lot of time, and her niece is with them. She's always with her sister, and the niece is with them also wherever they go. So I think she could have helped them a lot with the script. It would have been really good. Okay, so here's my question for you. Ready? Okay. Okay, you always make me stay till the end. So yes. when we're going to review, well, when we're going to review a movie, I always stay till the end and I roll my eyes and think, why am I sitting here staring at names I can't remember <laughs> and have never heard of? But anyway. Okay, what'd you think of the interviews at the end between the actors and their moms? Okay, not to be superficial, but my first thought was Jada Pinkett Smith's mother looks fantastic. I had never <laughs> seen her before. Oh, talk about stereotypical. F- yes, thank you. And she really looked good. And I loved the little bit with Mila's mother. All these mothers are recounting bad mom moves they might have made when they were raising their own children, the stars of the movie. And she told Mila that they were moving down the street when in fact they were getting on a flight from the Ukraine to Los Angeles. I thought that was very funny. I didn't hear her say that. Did she say that? Uh, Yeah. So Mila Kunis, she was born in the Ukraine and her family came to America when she was seven. I just want to play this clip here from Mila Kunis getting interviewed by Graham Norton. Uh, Now you've just come, is it Russia? You've just been in Russia doing the tour? Yeah, six hours ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's very fast. Yeah. Yeah. You must, because you speak Russian, don't you? I do. Is it one of those good things where people don't know you speak Russian? Yeah, it is sometimes. It's pretty nice when, like, the driver has no idea that you actually understand everything that he's saying about you. And it's never really nice things anyways. <laughs> so you kind of wait till the end of the drive to call him out on it. But, Because um... <laughs> it's quite a... It's quite a... Oh, God, it yes. is. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I didn't realize that until it was pointed out to me. <clears throat> but apparently... Apparently, it's a slightly harsh language, which to me sounds very romantic. I mean, I think it's a great language, but um, I've been told it sounds like Klingon. Like, I, <laughs> I'll talk to my dad, and he'll call and be like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm great. He's like, I miss you. And I'm like, I miss you too. How's mommy? He's like, mommy's great. But apparently, to most people, it sounds like... <laughs> she is very entertaining. I think she's very compelling. I think she's very watchable. Mm-hmm. And I think she has good comedic timing, if given better lines. She really has good comedic timing. And from what I've seen of the trailer of Black Swan, she can certainly do drama. So I think she has great range. Well, I think, you know, Bad Moms could have been a great movie. And by the way, it came in at a strong second this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's definitely getting a mm-hmm. lot of showings. You know, one little bit that I actually liked at the end, which again shows that Mila can kind of do it all, that little scene of her singing to Shut Up and Dance, performed by Walk the Moon with her kids while she's driving the car. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. <laughs> The funniest moment to me was when it shoots to the dog wearing the helmet in the car. That was very funny. I know. And again, can I just say, I know this, I beat this dead horse all the time, but the funniest moments were not the ones that were so crass. Uh, I don't know if that's true. To you, they weren't. To you, too, because you just said the funniest moment was the dog in the well, helmet. Well, that was the funniest moment, but I think the crest moments are very funny, and I think some of the bar scenes in that stuff, I thought it was very good, very well done. Wait, you just went on about how awful the dialogue was. No, but I think there were funny, I think there were funny moments. I just didn't, I think that they weren't written well enough for what they could have been. I think they could have been ever so much better. From the trailer, I expected far more funnier moments. Yeah, yeah. You know who I felt should have been there somewhere was Elizabeth Banks. I think she does a great job of pulling off those spoofy roles. Uh-huh. 
Well, you know what's funny is between that, you know, Ghostbusters was playing in the theater next to this one. What I mm-hmm. what I love is that there are lots of roles in comedy for women now, and there are lots of movies that folk, you know, that that pull that all together. So. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So I just wish that someday they could be the Hangover funny and not the ghosts of girlfriends past funny. I didn't think the I didn't think the Hangover was funny. I thought it was far funnier than this. Uh, well, yeah, um, I, I I don't even remember it. I didn't think it was. I, that's how much I didn't like it. Through a night we'll never forget. Okay, so now we're going to move on, though, because we have another another movie to talk about today. Which does not involve bad parenting at all. I know. There you go. And why don't you introduce it? Okay, so this is our last coverage from the Provincetown Film Festival, a film that we saw and we recorded this podcast a couple weeks ago called Little Men. It's my grandfather's funeral. Sorry for your loss. Oh, that's okay. So you're the grandson. So how are you enjoying Brooklyn so far? I like it a lot. We have much more space. It's great. It's a lot more peaceful than Manhattan. Written and directed by Ira Sachs. Yeah. Love is Strange, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ira Sachs, Love is Strange. I certainly think there's no comparison between the two, you know? I did not see Love is Strange. Okay, well, I meant to. Alfred Molina is in both films. Right, he is. Um, I love him in anything. Don't you think he's good? You didn't like him in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Uh, no. Well, that's because he was playing. he was playing the wrong role. But you're right, I don't like him in anything. That's a total lie. I, I take it all back, okay? Okay, there are, some, there are some moments. The reason we're going to talk about it at all, and we're not going to talk about it that much, it's also got, um, it got distribution, so it's coming out, and you'll be able to see it. Okay, there's a scene in there mm-hmm. that I think Marvel's, it must go on for three minutes. Does it go on for three minutes? Am I crazy? It didn't feel long to me. It felt no, but very three compelling, minutes. But it was a long it scene. It is a know? scene where they're in. He's in an, this young man is in an acting class, mm-hmm. and he's and the and the guy who's leading the class goes to him head to head. The genesis of acting is seeing, understanding what makes behavior. I did it again. I did it again. You did it again. You did it. You again. did it. You. 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 You did it. You did it. You did it. I didn't do it. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. with your best shot, O'Toole. Go ahead. Well, this is why I've never been to acting school. Okay, go ahead. Because you have to act like a tree and you get assignments like this. I can't even think of a way to start it off. Do you want me to do it? This is definitely your metier. Yes, you go for it, Hollister. (laughs) (laughs) And we should say the actor's Michael Barbieri. I'm a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. I am a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. I am a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. No, I'm a podcaster. You're and, a very loud podcaster. <laughs> okay, this goes on for three minutes, but it goes back and forth like a punching bag. Zap, 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 bam, 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 bam. And it's brilliant. And I I, I turned to Ochil at the end and said, How many takes did they do? And she said one. And you said one take. Uh If you go for no other reason, you have to go see this film for that very moment in time. Cheaper than going to acting school. It is. And Michael Barbieri did such a good job of portraying the scrappy New York kid. He did. With talent and drive. That guy is going to go somewhere. He really is. I mean, we're going to see him, you know, come up in a lot of films. There's another moment in the film, too. 
that I thought was really, really well directed, and I thought it was really smart to do it that way. There's a death in the family. A grandfather dies at the beginning of the film, and they move into his home in Brooklyn and sort of relocate. And it's a, according to the um, director, it's a it's a movie about that people are adaptable, that you can adapt to anything no matter what happens, and it it it's about the human adaptation value of us all. Okay. There was a moment, so so we go to the funeral, we don't see the funeral itself, but we see the gathering after the funeral, the son of the man who died is fine, 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 they, they are, it's the end of the funeral day, and they're in the building that he grew up in with his father, his father's now gone, he goes to take the garbage down, he opens up the garbage cans downstairs, and then he closes the garbage cans, and then he leans over the garbage cans and he sobs. And this is Greg Kinnear, yeah, who's, who's very, very likable. Good. He's yeah. always likable. Um, but also, he was he gained weight, paid an aging man. Like, he was not, you know, in his as-good-as-it-gets kind of flavor. He was very much sort of just this middle-aged guy trying to oh, figure his Foster, life out. you're killing me. I didn't think he looked bad. I, well, I thought, it, look, I think he looks great. <sighs> but, but he's sobbing over the garbage cans, and it was such a smart way to show grief. Mm-hmm. Because it was alone. Yep. It was, you know, in an unexpected contained. unexpected mm-hmm. place, contained. And then you knew he was going to walk upstairs and he was going to get on with it. You know, it was mm-hmm. just really, really well done. Now, one of the things that was said about it is, um, maybe it was you who said it. <laughs> they repeated the same argument too many times. Like, there were a couple of scenes where it was just a repeat of what we'd already heard. The conflict yeah. gets a little stagnant. Yeah. It doesn't grow. Nope. And it just... Again and again and it's again. A standoff. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's a great movie about friendship and about love and about all kinds of things around that, and also it's about a great movie. I thought about point of view, like yes. the kids' yeah. point of view was very different from their parents. The, each of the par- parents of the two boys had a very different point of view. Both of them mm-hmm. totally legitimate, by the way. Yeah. Both, you know, it's about. Uh, to me, they talked about it being about adaptability. I felt it was all about point of view, that it depends upon how you look at something as to how you're going to experience mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I think that's the reason to see this movie is to recognize that in any action or any disappointment or any challenge in life, your point of view is going to determine what you think. And if you can recognize and try to feel someone else's point of view, you're going to get through whatever that challenge is a lot better. I thought it was a good movie that way. That's I did. interesting, Hollister. Yeah. And opposing points of view, you can see the legitimacy of both sides. One of the hardest things to realize when you're a child is that your parents are people too. You understand that? They care about things. They make mistakes. They try to do what they think is the right thing to do. Does any of what I'm saying make any sense to you? Say something, Jake. Say something! Gee, thanks, Dad. That's a very encouraging story. Jennifer Ely, who plays the mother, we know her, of course, from the Colin Firth version of Pride and Prejudice right. and The King's Speech. Which, by the way, I think is the best one. I mean, Colin, Pride and Prejudice, of, I love that one. Daughter of Rosemary Harris. Here she looked and sounded to me so much like a little Meryl. Really? You didn't think she looked like Meryl Streep? No. You didn't think she sounded like Meryl Streep? No. You don't have to go rewatch the movie to hear my point no, of view. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> See, the POV lesson has just been for me. Yeah, I, I'm over okay. that lesson. No, I, already, <laughs> I said it. We're done with it. Um, I will tell you though that there's a at the beginning he's drawing in class. He's and there's this the sun. You know, the sun is drawing in class, and in a in a geo, no in a history class, 
And the teacher's sort of that gruff history guy who, you know, has no nonsense, comes in, and the whole class At is... At first, I was worried that was Greg Kinnear, which is why I thought Greg Kinnear looked better probably yeah. than you thought. Um, anyway, he comes into the classroom, and, and he picks up the drawing, and he says, did you draw this? And he, the kid says yes, and he goes, just remember, Van Gogh cut off his ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was one of those things where... You know, if you said that today, you'd lose your job, you'd lose your tenure, and you know, it'd be like hitting a kid. The the enormity of how the child was going to respond to that moment in time was, you know, X, Y, or Z. And there was also another great life lesson toward the end when when Kinnear was, mm-hmm. is talking to his son, and he talks about how uh, when is enough enough and what is good enough, and mm-hmm. that, you know, you're going to go through life and you know, sometimes just you have to end it because it is what it is, and sometimes you're going to win, and sometimes you're not, and sometimes people have talent, it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And it was It's really beautifully played out I moment. I thought that was a great yeah, scene. I did too. I also thought the relationship between Greg and his wife was really mm-hmm. important because rarely do we see on the screen where the woman is the primary breadwinner and she's not mad at the guy. You know, it's so true. Neither (laughs) one was eviscerating the other for one reason or another. Yes. She wasn't mad at him for not winning and she wasn't mad at him for not being this huge success that he might have, could have, should have, would have been. And she supported his being an actor. Exactly. I like that message. There are a lot of good messages in this film. I just, I I, I do want to sort of put it out there, right? And so, but for this week, uh, that's it from the Provincetown International Film Festival. So, Hollister, I guess next week you get to pick the movie. About time. <laughs> <laughs>